worthwhile if you're so fucked up that it brings out all the anger and Booze all Booze and coke and heroin are far more... Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, if of course. Rich, you weren't that into drugs. No. You never got caught up in it. Uh, no. I you was, remind I was, me, Rich. I was too obsessive compulsive. It, it would have, it freaked me out. So. Uh, you remind me of me, Rich. Like, in a way, you wanted to treat the band like, hey, look, that's my job. I want to come in. I want to write songs. And then I want to go home to my family or whatever it is I got going on. I got another life outside the band. And Chris, you were sort of more all into the whole culture, the fucking I mean, drugs. I think, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was also, I mean, trust me, by the end of the 90s, a lot of it was escapism. But for the most part, I, yeah, I was, <laughs> I, again, I, I love drugs. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't, I don't look back at, I mean, I can look back at my time as a daily cocaine user and be like, what the fuck was that? You know, just feeling horrible all the time, scoring drugs all the time. You make right. bad decisions, like, with people in your life and stuff. But when your heroes are Keith Richards and Jerry Garcia, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, I want to feel like that. What's going – it's not that you want to copy them, but it's like, what's what's through that veil? You know what I mean? Like, um, And there was a whole aspect of being – a uh, gratuitous bohemian thing like i'm not i don't i'm not that business guy you know right what? you like, didn't want to conform you want to be an artist i'm living in another uh reality another reality yeah. yeah i get that you know when i would be, and i had the money to pay for all those drugs howard you i see know what i mean, I mean it's crazy it's it, it is it is dangerous <laughs> i was watching this documentary on tom petty were you guys fans of tom petty yeah, of course yeah i figured you were and 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 Tom Petty said like it was dangerous. We st I was a guy in my twenties, and they were handing me a couple hundred thousand dollars in a check every once in a while, and it was like I read that Jimi Hendrix never went anywhere without five grand in his pocket for drugs and outfits and shit. So I was yeah. like, yeah, I need five thousand dollars every day too. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. Jimi Hendrix had it. I need it too. I yeah, mean, it, it's so weird, and you don't realize it's going to fuck your life up. No matter how much you read about the guys in Aerosmith, we're fucked up. From I never it, went the to Stones. rehab. All right, you never did. I stopped. What, you wait, know, that's one thing Noel Gallagher and I talked about, he's like, he's like, why is everyone obsessed with rehab? And, you know, I was like, this is how I stopped doing coke. I stopped buying it, and the shit I had at the house, I threw it away, and that was like the end of it. That's I an mean, amazing story. Seventy-two hours later, I was like sweating and rolling around in my loft on Twenty-sixth Street, but that was only about eighteen hours of of being uncomfortable. Well, that's amazing discipline, actually. In other words, you would get to a point where you realize, hey, this is really fucking up the band. This is fucking up my life. I got to get clean. It's like it's like this. This is funny because I, you know, I've I was always always very open about marijuana, about the legalization, right? And it's and I laugh because now in the Black Crows, I I won't smoke any weed. <laughs> I can't smoke and sing these songs at fifty three in a few weeks. You right. know what I mean? So it's like, again, as someone who's supposed to be. I have amazing self-control when I have to. Right. Know? No, it's self-preservation. Yeah. Isn't it weird? I always get weirded out when I see Lee. And it's responsibility to people. You know, like I said, we, you know, we, we, no one else plays this kind of rock and roll anymore. Maybe the Rolling Stones. You're you know? right. I mean, no one rocks anymore. And there's and not new guitars guys. and that kind of energy and what we want. And that's what we want to be. That's what we're doing. That was the other thing that it made it exciting. Like, yeah, we fucking love that that vibe and that music. Have you guys heard from any of the original members of the uh, Black Crows? Did that, anybody approach you and say, hey, we want to be part I mean, of we you guys? We are the original back. members of the Black Crows. Is that how you guys look at it? In other Definitely. words, do you think if you had to do it all over again, you guys would have been the Black Crows and maybe you would have hired musicians to work in the band? 
I don't ever really look back that way. Right. I just know a former member, dead serious, told me the scariest thing for all of us was when you and Chris got along. Because really? Because no one could stop you. And they said that. And I was like, wow. Oh. Really That's an interesting, interesting comment. It is, yeah. yeah. Because when you guys get along, then they got to deal with you as a team. Exactly. You're that much stronger. And they could control you in a way. If we were separate. If you're separate. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty devious. Yeah. Hmm. I what? think the, I think that's how Romans did everything. <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually it's self-preservation on their part. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. Yeah, the more you guys don't get along, the more they're I able to... that's what I mean to... about the music business. Again, do I have any regrets? I mean, no. I mean, it's a hard lesson that it took a long time to learn for Rich and I. Do you guys get along? We were here a few months ago, and our, my daughter, I mean, uh, Rich has... A lot of children. Have you gotten to know them now that you guys are back? <laughs> you uh, know them. <laughs> I told my daughter, said, Daddy, you know, is he a Mennonite? I said, no, he has a mustache. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but but did the, was it weird for you to go meet Rich's kids? No, like it's in- completely natural. I mean, Rich and I don't talk in six years. We have a couple of moments of like, hey, and then. Rich, were you like, hey, your uncle's going to come over, but he's a crazy motherfucker, so just calm down. <laughs> Everybody just take it easy. know about Uncle Chris. <laughs> yes, Uncle Chris. <laughs> my uh, nine-year-old was intrigued yeah well he's you know like, how's chris doing he keeps saying chris i'm like he's all right would that <laughs> get good. you huh <laughs> would that get would that set you off and go shut up <laughs> no 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 no. he would just be like i really want to meet chris you know right but my daughter she'll be 10 uh day after christmas and she didn't know her grandmother you know oh, our right. mother really because i've been in a whole fucking thing with everyone you know what i mean and that stuff again you make some changes in your life you weren't and- talking to your mom at all no, I was I was mad and re- I was upset. What was the anger? <sighs> God, uh, I just think a lot of a lot of uh, I was just disappointed and hurt and never felt. I always, I mean, I'm, I'm as regardless of my, you know, you and I talking, whatever. I'm sensitive too, and I sure. I felt really for a long time that no, you know. The only reason anyone said cared about me was because I was supposed to get up there and facilitate money for everyone. And that that hurt my feelings because, again, it sounds crazy. And money in rock and roll is great. Money is fantastic. I'm a capitalist. I'm not, you know, but as they say in England, I'm not a breadhead, man, you know. And for everything to be filtered through that first really hurt my feelings. And Did then you, you feel like you feel, were being used by your mother? That not my mom, but I, th- I would think about everyone at that right. time in my life. If I was being, you know, my cynicism was running pretty high. You know, like, okay, uh, I'm just supposed to go out there. And that's why, again, I wanted to write songs and do something different. That's why to get out and do these songs, like, I haven't been on stage. I mean, I only played the Black Crows material last year, that one tour, a little tour, because right. the CRB was all original, and I was playing guitar, and there was no dancing or frontman presentation. Right. You know, and I needed to stop that, because I'm like, wow, I just feel like the show pony up here. You know what I mean? And I don't feel like I'm getting any respect, and no one's really caring about the workload, and I'm older, and... Whether it was in my mind or not, people you know, don't it, realize that you're a human being, and you can feel used too. That yeah. you're that you're just some commercial entity, just an that's ATM keeping, machine with well, uh, with, with legs. money shooting out of your ass. <laughs> no, I, I legs, <laughs> and legs, legs, and money shooting right out of your ass. So a very in other words, tall ATM machine. So if I could understand this, just so I get the story straight, Greg, the infamous Greg, who you guys talk to, they get they get. 
this that both that he gets the vibe that both of you might want to get. He's not a get... magical creature. He's our he's your buddy. attorney. Oh, he's a business attorney. Oh, okay. Because I was but, like, is he an elf? He, right. he was, no, he was a gnome. But, but he, he is our uh, friend. I mean, he, he was our yeah. He was our friend. He kept he it together. Friend. He's our friend. He kept it together. Like he's he could. He could navigate the two of us. And where do you guys have your first conversation? Is it on the phone? Is it in person? Do you agree to meet somewhere? We agreed. We didn't. We agreed to, to do things through a through through a third party before we started talking. Like the big, like this is Picture. this is what it is. You guys wanted this is the deal. Big. Here's how it you. would work. Oh. You want to do? It'll be shake your money maker. Never Whose thought idea about, was that? Just doing the. I love the idea of the tour. We never did it, you know. So right. that was like, that's okay. It's funny to me. Back then, doing that would not be rock and roll, and now to me, it's like, oh well, that's just punk shit as we could do. It's I like, think it's very <laughs> cool. <laughs> you and know. By I mean? the way, don't you run a risk of always worrying about what's cool and what isn't cool? If the Stones did it, if the Aerosmith did it, fuck it. We're you want to do it? Always worrying, Howard. We're always, always worrying. worrying. It's a business of worry. <laughs> It really is. That's the blues, man. You know. So the third party, you guys have conversation conceptually. What it would look like if you got in a room together and started playing. Are you into this? Are you into this? Yeah, this could be cool. Right. Yeah. But and one of the main th first things was we don't want anyone from our past. We want to start brand new with just Rich and I having the opportunity, like you said, like if you had to do it over again. Guess what? Here we are. Right. We want to start all new with new energy. New, uh, new musician. No new one musician. with an agenda. No, no agenda. Like coming in and just being cool and excited. I mean, like playing with these guys. So at and, some point, and their newness and their energy makes me. Even look though at Joel's these totally very old, yeah, right? Yeah. How old are you, Joel? <laughs> I'm in my late seventies. Yes, <laughs> but you look fantastic for a guy in his seventies. <laughs> no, but your point is that this band and everything. But at some point, you guys, it, it's got to get out of the th like a, th a theoretical situation and you got to sit down in a room together and yeah. work out these songs again and for the first time in six years you see each other where are you new york we're, well i mean but the first when we got in the room to play i'd love if you guys would fight about where you were the first <laughs> yeah, yeah. time you <laughs> just end the whole thing <laughs> again. I, I thought to myself <laughs> at one point yeah. but we, we, i was gonna we ask enough other. questions to get them to fight yeah right <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We, fuck we, you it was cleveland the, the tour is over <laughs> Ah. Tickets are on sale today, be great but now ended... they're turning off the machines. It'd be great if you did a couple of songs and then ended the tour. That would be awesome. But when we, we saw each other in New York for the first right. time, and, and I had my daughter and he had his kids. And then, Smart. Then we went to, when we were in Nashville, Camille, my, my girlfriend. She, I got to meet this Camille. She was like... When she was at rehearsal, she, you know, we've been together. We're, we have our John and Yoko game pretty tight, you right. know. So, oh, she came with you. Well, of course. Rich, did that annoy you that Chris brought his girlfriend? No. No. But she was like, after, whatever makes him happy. After, <laughs> after all this time, she was like, oh my God, seeing you and Rich together, that's like a piece of the puzzle I didn't even know was right. like, it was intense and, and beautiful, you know? Right. For when the first time Rich and I played Jealous again in many years, it was like, oh, uh, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's what he does and that's what I do and it's a thing. You know? Let's take a break now and perform Jealous again, if it's okay with you guys. Let's see if the magic is still there. Let's see. Let's see if Chris and Rich love magic. Now, this is, of course, from your first album and you're going to perform this whole album. I should say this, you can see the boys, the Black Crows, on their Shake Your Money Maker tour. They're going to do the whole album. From start and to finish. From beginning to end. From beginning to end. Mike Diaz told me to mention that tickets are on sale today. Tickets right and now. tour dates go right now to theblackcrows.com. This is the first time the guys are announcing that they're back together in the same room. 
Um, uh, you can follow and them at the, together. It, it's a miracle. This is a <laughs> a miracle. Like Jesus came in the room. It is. It's a miracle. I never thought I'd see you two motherfuckers sitting in the same room. He came in to turn over the money lenders stuff, but yeah. He... <laughs> I said to the, I said to my guys, if these two fuckers start fighting, I'm not jumping in between them. We're I'm not good. getting my We're ass good. kicked. We're All right, really right. good. Uh, here the boys uh, uh, on tour for tickets and tour dates. Go right now to the, the blackrose.com. Bowery Ballroom tonight, a special concert. This is all happening um, right now in the present. Uh, the guys are making this announcement for the first time. If you want to see these two legendary performers together, two fabulous performers together, this is how you do it. Now, for the first time in how many years, you two guys playing side by side? Six years or something. Six years or something. Everybody remember their parts? <laughs> Everybody know how to do this? Oh, sounds like you do. All right, I'll Let's shut up. Let's go back in time. Here we go.
So don't you think I want to? So don't you think I would? So don't you think I'd tell you, baby, if I only could? You might acting crazy. You might just too proud. You might just play Boys still have it. Listen to that. Oh, is that fun to watch? I strongly suggest you go see the Black Crows and the Shake Your Money Maker tour. That is so much fun to watch. I usually like to look over my notes when people are performing, but I, I had to watch that. When, when, guys, when uh, let me ask you about that song specifically. You remember writing it together? Yeah, of course, of course. And what came first? Like, 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 Rich? Did you have that whole? chord progression down is that what the was intro happening? came first it's a beautiful and then i wanted to write a song like tumbling dice like tumbling dice we, i was just at a a really cool benefit in uh new orleans two weeks ago and uh, ivan neville was there who was in keith richards solo group the expensive winos and the the band played she talks angels the the band i, I mean uh jealous again and he was like, man, that reminds me of something. I was like, Take It So Hard by Keith Richards. He's like, yeah, that's the one. I was like, you know. I like that band, uh, the Keith Richards uh, expensive, expensive one. one. Yeah, I right. thought they were really good. Were amazing. Great, yeah. yeah, really amazing. What was it like when you guys actually, because the Stones are such a big influence on you, and you said, I want to write a song like something off Exile on Main Street. What what do you um when you start opening for those guys and you're hanging well, out Jagger's with them? Jagger's a monkey genius, you know what I mean. Did he's you like, get to hang with Mick, or was he? Kind, I Mick, always get the feeling uh, he's off on his own. I don't think Mick likes people who don't wash their hair very much. You know, <laughs> and I, my hair would be dirty. But, ooh, was he freaked stinks. out by you? Uh, no, of course not. No, but he he's just with you like, know what's hun- funny though when uh, 
the last one of the last nights before we got fired from ZZ Top, we were in right. our hometown. David Frick was doing the cover story for Rolling Stone, and uh, and Mick Jagger was in town filming that weird sci-fi Free Jack movie or something. Yeah, and he came to the show, and it was I was like, that's the first time I'd ever like met him. And, and he was standing with some people and while we were on stage, and I'm sure he was being cheeky or whatever, but he goes, oh, look, there's me in 1974 or whatever. And I, to <laughs> right. me, though, I was like, oh, amazing. You, know? <laughs> you don't get insulted. You're like, hey, that's cool. No, no. Yeah. We, touring with them was, I mean, hey, hey, we I, had a lot of fun <laughs> did you? With, with Ronnie and Keith. Yeah, Ronnie and Keith are more your they don't mind guys with dirty hair. No, we no. were. We, that was the least of the. That was the least of the dirty. Would they sit there and tell you about writing songs, or would Keith talk to you about like his process, or was it all just kind of everything not musical? No, there wasn't stuff about maybe th- their process, right? <clears throat> but you know, cool little thing, you know, about I didn't know about. You know, I had turned 28 or something, and I was like, I'm, you know, we're like doing blow all night and shit at this amazing hotel in and Switzerland. And have, I'm like, I'm have... 28, I'm invincible. You know, <laughs> yeah. you die at 27, you know. Right. And I said, and he said something, and I knew cats that died at 15, man, you know, and I was like, no, 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 not that. This isn't a contest, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I said, I uh, talking about Graham Parsons, who's a massive influence on us since we were kids. And then he, like, was like, oh, Graham and I were having this dumb argument like friends have, you know, and, and then he passed and I never got to tell my love, you know, stuff like that. Isn't that know, amazing, that though? Remember, you know? Like, do you pinch yourself and go, Jesus Christ, we're these guys from, you know, from Georgia, and like all of a sudden now we're sitting in a room, Keith Richards is there, I'm doing blow with the guy, and he's telling me about Graham Parsons. It, it's, it, it, or is it, is it just so happening so fast that you can't even really take it in and appreciate it. To me, it's no, I, both. I mean, yeah. you know, Chris and I were allowed to hang out behind Keith Samps every night. Yeah, what's that about? The Stones oh, let you... Amazing. Who gave you permission to do that? Keith. Keith. Keith said it's cool. Was Mick kind of like, what the fuck are these guys doing by our amps? I don't think Mick has control over Keith's amp space. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Mick. I don't know. You're, you're Mick Jagger. You're the best one that's ever been. So you, when you were on tour with the Stones, Keith says, why don't you stand behind our amps so you can see what we're doing? That had to be the best school that you ever went to, right? Well, Chris and I, at the, it was at the end of Amorica, and we had gotten in a huge fight where I got my own bus in the States. I'm oh, like, dear. fuck this. <laughs> yeah. I can't be on a bus with that motherfucker. So I got my own bus. And uh, When your brother gets his own bus, are you like, fuck him? I mean, what does he mean? Yeah, he can't of course. Be- right. like, fuck him. Let's party more. Woo! Ah, what a nightmare. And so, we, <laughs> so it sounds weird, but I, I meditated for like three weeks. I started meditating. Transcendental and, meditation? And, yeah, yeah. No, it was just, it was more like entry level trying to like kind of calm down. Right. And uh, I let a bunch of shit go and I got to Europe and my energy shifted and I let all that go. And Chris and I, and he picked up on it immediately, and we just started getting along. Right. And what a better way to get along and to do this but by touring with a band that like the Rolling Stones and to what play at Wembley Stadium with them. And, and, and by the way, not only with them, but three nights at Wembley Stadium. And on the days off, we would go play with Jimmy and Robert. Wow. So we were in London at Wembley Stadium. Then we drive up to the, you know, Scotland to play the arena up there the with Jimmy show, and Robert. The best show was in Montpellier in the, in the south of France. Right. And it was Black Crows, Bob Dylan, and the Rolling Stones. Unbelievable. And it was the best. Be- I will always remember because I met Bob that day and it was, he's my, you know, ultimately my, my biggest hero. 
And so we're on, we're backstage, I mean, behind Keith's amps, and the Stones had a, like a Rolling Stone was their single in Europe for that tour when the, in, on that Voodoo Lounge cycle. So they're, they're gonna have Bob sit in, and, and I'm like, oh my God, you know. So Mick Jagger's wearing like a long blue satin shirt with a belt pirate style over it. And I, cause I just remember things. I don't know my social security number, but I know this. That, that stays with you. So they're like, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Montpellier, you know, there's 60,000, 70,000 people out there. Bob Dylan and Bob comes walking right beside me and Rich and he's wearing the exact same outfit. He, he like <laughs> saw what Mick and he, and I was like, that's, that's fucking amazing. <laughs> he walks out on stage and you know, the Rolling Stones are the Rolling Stones. They're the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Right. They're playing a Bob Dylan song. Bob's sitting in. The Stones don't jam. They don't deviate. So it's like, once upon a time, didn't you? You know, the whole thing. And <laughs> yeah. then they go around to the chorus and then they come up to Bob's turn. So the, the band brings up, dun, 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 one, two, three, four. And Bob goes in the mic and doesn't sing anything. <laughs> oh. And you see them look around and they're like, okay, because it's kind of like you missed the turn at a roundabout. You got to go all the way around. <laughs> so they go all the way around again. One more time. Dun, 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 one, two. And he just leans into the mic, turns away. I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? It goes on for another half a verse, and then Mick's going to come over and, like, save the day. Right. And then Bob finally goes to the mic and then just starts singing something, and they don't finish, and they're walking off stage. I probably shouldn't be telling this story at all, but we're standing there, and, like, Mick and Keith, like, they go, like, he walks off before the end of the song. They're like, Bob Dylan! And he turns around, and he looks at them, and he goes fuck you like this and he gives him the finger and like i'm like it's the best fucking concert i've ever seen in my life it's incredible and keith i could see keith goes oh don't be like that bob you know it was like, incredible. nobody even cares what a shit show and yet it's the greatest it's thing the to see thing we've ever seen it was incredible yeah, amazing that you can't forget that moment you know but but that is so funny it's like it's just so but also earlier in the day we all sat outside and watched bob and he did tangled up in blue and it's all right you know, acoustic, acoustic by himself, himself. 70,000 people. It was and, like, and it was the most powerful thing I've ever yeah, what seen. What is it with him? Sometimes you don't know what you're just going to get. I mean, you yeah. don't know what kind of mood he's going to be in. How did it feel when you guys were just playing that song together again for the first time in a long time? How'd that just feel? Did anybody feel like kicking each other's ass? No, it was no, a, a little. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brought back some legendary moments. Sounded great. Very powerful. Very powerful band. I we like this band. Up. We broke up in the middle of that song. We just haven't said anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize. I saw you walk off. I was concerned. Exactly. Um, so, so here we are celebrating your first album, which is Shake Your Money Maker. And you've decided to, the two brothers are back together, which is uh, great. I'm, I'm, as a fan, I'm thrilled for you guys. And I'm, I'm happy for you personally, you know, and, and, and it's great. And um, and let, let's do another song from the album, if you guys are up for it. Let's do it. Let's do uh, She Talks to Angels. Anything come to mind when we talk about She Talks to Angels? The whole album was recorded rather quickly, right? Is that right? Well, the first record was a, a little bit longer. Are you um, friends with Rick Rubin now, or is that like... Uh, I haven't seen Rick in, in so long. I mean, the the person responsible for the Black Crows is George Draculius. Right. Um George signed us. I mean, you know, I, I was listening to Shake Your Money Maker, getting ready for rehearsals and everything, and I'm laughing like Guns N' Roses is the biggest band in the world when that record comes out. Everything is like 
kind of sleazy rock oriented or Metallica kind of heavy metal kind of and we have like an Otis Redding song a soul ballad like <laughs> yeah, we should go back in time and, and, and set up for people that when you guys put out this album it was sort of at the time I, I guess if I have it right Guns N' Roses were big hair bands were big there wasn't anybody really doing what you were doing, which was like a straight-ahead rock and roll album. So it, it probably took the music industry by... When we, when we got to Los Angeles and went to the record company, they thought we were the guys in the band's kids. Like They were like, oh, you're kind of young to be sounding like that, you know? Yeah, and, 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 and Metallica and these bands, at that time, that wasn't your thing. You weren't sitting there uh, worshipping at the feet of Metallica or anything. It was the Stones. I mean, I had Kill em All on vinyl. You, know, you I did. I get into that. Yeah, but, but it was a different sound really yeah, yeah. yeah and and probably record companies didn't understand what you were doing george did but yeah a lot of them didn't you know? right a lot of them passed yeah and and the, and the name of the band was mr crow's garden and they said to you you cannot be mr crow's garden because we already have sound garden and we don't want another garden isn't that the uh is that the story i just think they they just thought it was too i mean our our original idea we were kind of more of 60s psychedelic you know what i mean we were like in that kind of vibe yeah um it just didn't fit what when how we had changed you know into the sound that 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 now is the black crows sound and the name is important right i mean the logo i love the logo but with that's the why there's crows. an e in it because the, the 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 mr crow's garden is a children's book right and it was a you know a name chrome c-r-o-w-e so the only way we could kind of keep our keep Mr. Crow's Garden in there was to just make it difficult and keep the E in the crow. <laughs> do you remember recording this song that you're going to do? Yeah. You do? You remember actually being in the studio putting it together? Was it particularly difficult for you to put this song Everything together? Everything was difficult on your first album. Because why? You've never worked in a studio <laughs> never, before? yeah. And studio tuning is different, right, Rich? Everything is different. Yeah, it's it's there's it's it's on. You know, you have to you got to do it. And and your producer no Pro tools or anything. No, you know, this we're we're from we're one of the last bands to really get in in the old way of doing things. You know, and by the old way, isn't that like the whole band getting in there and hitting it all at once? Pretty much, take not a lot of take over after take after take. Yeah. How many takes did you do on this song roughly before you knew it was this right for the album? Probably not as many as some other ones, just because of the nature of the arrangement and it being an acoustic-driven thing. You know, right. And so, so we would have more, you know what I mean? It, we did. We wouldn't have had to have. It wasn't like, oh, where's the tempo? You know, like a song like Jealous Again probably took more takes. You know, when you wrote this song, did you know right away this is gonna fucking be a monster hit? No, you don't know. No, you just do it. You just try. You know what I mean? I think for people who can write hit songs, I think that's really a cool gift for us. We're just trying to write something that we think is a really quality song and something that's you know like we love as many b-sides and weird things from our favorite bands than the hits so we're just always trying to through our whole all the songs rich and i have written i think we're just trying our best in that moment to to have write some sort of song. connection yeah. with somebody on know? this song did you bring to chris the intro again is that how it always works i had the i had the song the intro came later on this one i but, see but i remember writing it on this weird electric guitar and then I kind of honed it on an acoustic, and which then was the opposite of what I normally do. And Rich was do. playing open tunings, which was kind of, you know, where the 
the strings are tuned to a chord instead of a standard tuning, which comes from folk tradition and a lot of like for him, Nick Drake, and, and then getting into Keith Richards and stuff, who was famously using those kind of. Tunes. So what are you using? Open E. Open E. Yeah. Open E. All right. So here it is in Open E. Are we still doing it in Open E? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we the are. Original key, everyone. Like, yeah. Well, I don't want any nonsense now. This is she talks to angels. This is from, of course, the great album Shake Your Money Maker.
to say that is fantastic look at you guys you. oh man that is exciting does it feel good yeah you still enjoy singing it and playing it i mean it's still you know you've had that song for so many years it's still fun for you yeah yeah it is and you know it's fun maybe dad you know what i mean like no matter what i've been through no matter how shitty i felt or looked or whatever sing you know you get up on stage to sing you got to sing try the best you can every night oh, you know great. what i mean and give it you know because um there's too many great singers you know what i mean like i just feel like i said you know to be to, to have this gift the opportunity to play music for our for a career for this long and music still just inspires me musicians inspire me and if you're going to get up there and do it, you got to try your best, you know? Yeah, and brothers who write songs together, it's such a fabulous story. I know it's been a rocky road, and, and, and we celebrate you guys getting back together, but it is an amazing, you know, you think about it. That song never existed. It never existed. And you guys, two, two brothers, are sitting in somewhere, and, and Rich, you have this guitar thing worked out. Does it shock you when Chris comes in and starts saying, hey... I want to do a song about a girl I knew. She was on heroin, and I'm imagining, you know, she's talking to angels. And then he comes up with the with the with the lead part. Does it blow your mind? Is the whole process? It blows so my mind after the fact. I mean, back then we were just writing some songs, and and I I loved what he did. I've always loved what he does and did. Yeah. I mean, I and that was the thing. I mean, you know, magic. It, it was so. It was always great for me to write these you know these songs and just give them to chris and because i always knew he would write amazing things but songs i was fall, always you know, that it, it was never that was never an issue for me. yeah it's, songs, ama it's songs amazing fall from the sky for me you know what i mean like what like, i agree with you about there's a magic component one minute there's nothing and then you summon up you know in in the case of that song as a kid I didn't really know about the the, the stuff in that song. You right. know what I mean? Right. In the you same were making way it that up. I would have later in life, and and some of the darker elements of the lyric. You know, I mean, I hope the song. It, it's not a dark song, um, but yeah, I mean that. I, you were singing about something you could only imagine. 
Right. And then I added things in there about, you know, I'm a writer. So, oh, the the hair in her pocket from some child. We don't know this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was, you're making up a story. Yeah. But those things happen. The best songs happen. They just fall out of the sky into your lap and they write themselves within a few minutes, really. You know? I think also, you know, the, 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 the tension of having a band, having to say, where are our next album? Where's the next album going to come from? How are these songs going to drop out of the sky? I mean, there was a lot of pressure on you two guys. You knew there were, there were record companies, there were people in your band. They all depended on you making money. So what did we do? We made our second album that didn't sound pretty much like the first record at all. The second record was great, though. And, and I think that's the way to go, though, to, to mix it up and surprise people. We made it people. in a week. We wrote it in a weekend, and that was it. We, didn't, we weren't going to let it bog us down. Yeah, it's amazing. Pressure, you know. Yeah, amazing. Really, oh, yeah. truly is. Well, guys, uh, the Black Crows, um, it's a miracle story in my book that you two guys are together, and I love that you're together. We were pretty I, pretty adamant I was about never being sitting here doing this. No, you really were. You were adamant <laughs> about two things, not sitting in a room with your brother, which you're doing right now, and that John Mayer should not be in the Grateful Dead. I was wrong about both of those things. <laughs> have you heard from him at all? I don't know him. I don't know. You know what? John me- Mayer's a great guitar player, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was just me being a picky, deadhead asshole well, you, no, Wait a second, though. You are a big dead fan. When you first Huge. started in rock and roll, you were not a dead fan, right? You, no, you, my- you evolved in your musical taste to the dead. Yeah, yeah, I mean. yeah. And you well, love I mean, that we band. come from the South, and blues was a big part of our music. And in 1987, Bob Weir and Cut Off Short singing Little Red Rooster was not my idea of the some right. millionaire from Mill Valley singing a blues song was not my trip. At I the think time. what you fell in love with was that the Dead evolved into this jam band where they had these fans and they had this cult kind of uh, following, yeah, of course, of and it was kind of cool. And somehow it jarred you that John Mayer was, and, and you took that as an affront, as a dead fan. I, you just didn't like it. Yeah, but but obvious. Yeah, but who cares? John Mayer's an established, great musician who's popular, and you know everything. So me, I was, you know, trying to be funny, but then you asked me my opinion. But now looking back on it, it's like who fucking cares? But you know? it's true. But you know, I, I remember that interview very well, and people writing me going, "Man, that was the greatest interview." But by the way, Chris Robbins just went fucking berserk on John Mayer, and everyone was like, <laughs> "It was like it was like uh, Niagara Falls." Slowly, I turned. You know, you just went fucking crazy. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything too <laughs> I, bad. I just said I didn't. Uh, but I don't like think I said, John. I'm sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure. What happens sure if John Mayer was fine? I mean, he's in the he's in, got a great job. If I mean, you saw him, I'm going to bring him in now, so you can. Uh, talk I would to him. say, I would say, hello, <laughs> hello, Jonathan. My name is Christopher. Right. Sorry, You're okay I, with him being in the Grateful Dead? Of course. Dead. Who cares what I think? Of I care I, what you think. I mean, and millions of people have spoken. People go to those shows and have a blast, and that's what it's about. Are you, you know? one of the greatest frontmen that ever lived? Me? Yeah. I don't know about that. I'll tell you what. You're an entertaining motherfucker to watch. I forget the singing and everything else, which you do great. <laughs> but the way you move and dance, it's very, um, it's compelling. Am I right, Rich? Of course. Yes. That's Absolutely. what appealed to me about this. I, I cut off my LSD Jesus hair. Yeah. And I cleaned up a little. And I want to get on stage and boogie a little. You but know? you're not quite dancing. You're kind of just moving with the music, right? I'm I mean, the, I, I, I dance quite a bit in a black crow. Yeah, when he has more room, he moves. When you, uh, when you take off your shoes and you do it in your bare feet, do you ever think, oh, the stage is filthy and dirty? I always worry about you when you do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm, not, I, I, I'm not as OCD as you are. I've watched a million of your videos when you guys are performing live, and I say, sometimes Chris has got his shoes off. And I go, motherfucker, he's going to get some... penicillin on the side he, of the yeah, stage. Right, <laughs> they've got to shoot him up. I'm worried about the guy. I like I hope guy. he's had a tetanus shot. For, right. You know. But but you get into it in a way when you first start out as a band, there is a decision. Like like you talk about Oasis, those guys don't move. It's like they were mummified on stage, right? I mean, they don't fucking move. 
you got to make a decision. Am I going to be more like Mick Jagger and move? Or am I going to be one of these guys like, you know, uh, like the Eagles where, you know, sometimes I think you might have died on stage. You don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah. When do you make that decision that I got to keep things moving? I mean, you know, uh, it was born in him. Yeah, it was. Was yeah. he always a dancer? Always. Yeah. Yeah. And so was my dad. You know, oh, if, no I, if I was a, if I if I wasn't six foot two, I could do some splits like Prince. You know what I mean? But he was he was a, a slighter man than me. How hard do you work on your weight? Because I don't think you've gained a pound. Like you still look I'm like heavy a front for man. me. I, I want to lose about fifteen pounds. I'm, Are this you is the heaviest around? I've ever been in my life. You want to lose fifteen pounds? Can you help me? Uh, <laughs> me? No, I'm a disaster. I started doing Peloton to get into shape. <laughs> I can't run anymore. I'm an old man. My so. knees, hoy, my it's knees. Not my are knees. No, it's just everything. Just, I can't get my own white fit anymore someone bring it to me <laughs> no it's not that it's just weird no i mean I, we all get older howard you know but yeah. uh, i would like to be a little thinner than i am right now for the tour you mean yeah yeah see the black crows on there shake your moneymaker tour the other uh as long as we're talking shake your moneymaker i think uh, maybe it's uh we're gonna do um uh hard to handle it's the only cover on the album yeah right and uh, did you guys cover this right from the beginning? And was this something that you guys looked at? It, you know? it was my, I mean, I wanted to do the song, you know, because Otis Redding to still, to me, is the greatest uh, R&B soul singer that ever was. I know there are many great ones and ones that could do other stuff. But to me, uh, you know, 30, however many years later, Otis is, uh, he's still just... You know, I'll be at weeping. <laughs> you know, the man really—he uh, always moved you. Uh, to continues to. I ne and um, and luckily for uh, I mean, the, the the cool thing about Hard to Handle at the time was it was a B side for him, so it wasn't like I was singing These Arms of Mine or you know some and people didn't know that tendon. song. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was like. Uh, People knew the song a little bit. I mean, Grateful Dead people knew it because the Dead did it in the in the 60s with Pigpen and stuff and in the early 70s. But, yeah, for us, being from Georgia, Otis is from Georgia, it was a, you know, we kind of came full circle. And um, and a song like that's intimidating, isn't it? In the sense that Otis Redding, that's his song. And then when you go to do it, you know you're going to be compared. Every time I every time I sing it, I I I I always know Otis is the greatest. I always know I'll never do it as as great. But I, I don't think we attempted to redo it. I mean, if anything, George Draculius was the one who's like, "Oh, we should make it a little like walk this way," you know, right? In the in the time and stuff. You yeah, know? you got you had to put your spin on it. Yeah, and make it more rock and roll than a than a Stax single or B side or whatever. But, um, yeah, to this day, I mean, I always say this is the gift Otis gave us. You know, this is big. O, this is the big O song. We're just like doing it, you know. And you guys have sold millions and millions of albums. I'm sure Otis's family is very happy. They you were put this super, on the record, super right? happy. Yeah. They must have gotten quite a <laughs> and bit. And that makes me really happy. You yeah. know what I mean? Because like we talk about if the music business is shitty for two you know, two white kids from Atlanta that imagine all the all the <laughs> all the people of color in the music business who've been Got screwed over a million times and right. uh, been ripped off. And especially in that day and age, I mean, Otis was fairly savvy business person and, and knew what was going on in terms of publishing. And he wrote his songs, which was rare for a lot of R&B singers of that era right. for him to uh, to be the composer of those songs, you know.
Well, we're going to do that one, and we're celebrating the Black Crows. Uh, the two brothers have gotten back together. I said it would never happen. I was a pessimist, but here it is. I'm That's right. seeing the, really, the only reason we did it was but, just to, in your face. You thanks know? to uh, Greg, of course. Uh, <laughs> actually, I know Greg. You I know. know you know Greg. Cuz. I call him Cuz. <laughs> Greg's a friend of mine, and uh, I didn't realize that's who you were talking about. You're talking about <laughs> that Greg. Greg. Yeah. That's Cuz to me. We're not saying his uh, last name, and then we won't be able to get him on the phone anymore. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> the Black Crows uh, Shake Your Money Maker Tour with the brothers are getting together they decided to do the entire album together i'm really excited about that and we're concept. doing the album you know and there's no jamming or you know no. we're doing the straight ahead in the, the the straight ahead and i got to tell you sitting here watching this band you put together and i'll introduce the guys after we do this song but what this band is very powerful it's it's very powerful to see you guys together it's somewhat emotional quite frankly if you're a fan of the black crows it's nice to see you Good, up there getting along. It was for us too. for tickets and tour dates you go right now to the blackcrows.com and follow at the black crows on instagram and uh and uh celebrate these guys and it's it's going to be a great tour so we're going back in time going back to i'm just what you'll hear and when you go see the boys and um yeah this is the only cover from that album from the big o to you right Cause the mama, I'm sure I'll defend it now just a rain. Cause mama, I'm so out of hand now, just a rant. Cause the mama, I'm sure I'll defend it now. You're so Cause of mama, I'm sure I'll defend it now. Just a rat.
<laughs> That's beautiful. Beautiful. Why are you guys laughing? What happened? Rich, Rich made a little tiny mistake. You made a mistake in that, Rich? What happened? Keep it real. That's a uh, that's what kind of guitar is that? A Les Paul. Les Paul. Les Paul. And what happened with that guitar? It got destroyed in the hurricane. It's old. Yeah, uh, I've had it. I made Shake Your Money Maker on it. Yeah. And, and, but, oh, that's the actual. Oh, look at that. Yeah. But the car. That one, huh? I should jam with you guys on that guitar. Look yeah. at that guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and it got but it was up. flooded in Hurricane Sandy. And what happened? You have it repaired. I lost seventy guitars. Oh. And all my amps and all that stuff. But is that when they res they restored. When you lose your guitars, it's like losing your children, right? I mean, those are, each guitar has a memory to it. I lost more in the divorce. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, you divorced too? <laughs> yeah. You brothers, you're fighting with everybody. What can but, I say? Uh, you know, but no, you know, it's wood and yeah. and strings. And, and so you learn. It's cool to have those, and I'm happy I have that, but... Guitars are guitars, and everything has a connection, and new ones are great, too. You know, you hear from certain guys, though. They get that connection to a guitar. You know what I was thinking about that album? You guys that year, when that album came out, you were nominated for the Best New Artist Grammy. Thank God we didn't win that. And that's the curse, right? <laughs> but, but you know who won that year? Do you remember? Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey, yeah. Did well, you she have did okay. She did fine. <laughs> but most people who get the Best New Artist yeah, at the Grammy. Yeah, it's like the curse of death. Curse yeah. of death. Were you nervous about winning that? I mean, did you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want I win, Trust me, we don't win awards. No. You know what I mean? You guys never won an award. I never. No. Not, not even for song. But you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No. no you're no. What the? fuck you're kidding me no really thin lizzie's not in the rock and roll hall of fame they're not putting us in there you, know? you guys have you, how many albums you have 30 40 million albums or something like that it's i like mean 20 no 30 it's more. i don't know it's a lot of albums and you're not in the rock and roll hall of fame get the fuck out of here do you see that as you an some calls i will <laughs> do, i mean they don't listen to me anyway i mean <laughs> but 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 seriously uh, what would the criteria be for keeping you out I don't know. I don't know. There's so many. I mean, are the New York Dolls in it? Doug no. Somm's not in it. Is Mata Hoople in it? I mean, there's a. You know what I mean? Like, I love Mata Hoople, but you could make the argument that Mata Hoople's biggest hit was a uh, Bowie song, yeah, and that's true. Uh, you know I mean, what I mean. But you guys are songwriters. Uh, just take the first two albums alone in terms of sales. It would be very hard for me to justify you not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you don't seem all that bummed out by it. No. You don't give a fuck. I mean, you know, 